homeowner's insurance, flood insurance, car insurance. I get a lot of questions about Florida insurance, so today I brought in an expert. Hey everybody, Melanie Atkinson here with Smith & Associates Real Estate in beautiful Tampa Bay, Florida. And because I get so many questions about Florida insurance and I am not an expert on Florida insurance, I brought one in. Here with me today is Maria Rodriguez, and she is a very good friend of mine, my own personal insurance agent, and she works with Rip Wechter Insurance here in the Tampa Bay area. And we're just gonna go through a whole bunch of questions and get some good information for you guys. Okay, Maria, let's start with homeowner's insurance. Okay. So homeowner's insurance, I when people come down, a lot of times I think they expect homeowner's insurance to be really expensive because they hear about hurricanes and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about a normal person moving down, buying a normal single family home here in Florida, maybe built in the 90s to, to brand new. Mm -hmm. Okay. The difference is depends where they're coming from. If they're coming from Ohio, or a little town in Oklahoma, the difference will be, even New Jersey, uh, the difference will be dramatic. But otherwise, we're compatible to other states, depends basically where they come from. What drives the premiums here are the ages of the home, the location, the zip code, how close to waters are you? Okay. Uh, not because of the flooding, but because of the wind velocity. How is the wind going to affect these homes in, a, in case of a storm? Uh, wind-driven rain, um, the bean counters have it all figured out. Okay. Storms are definitely everyone's concern. Yes. So let's yes. talk about storms, um, hurricane deductibles, how, and what yes. that means, because a lot of people hurricane don't even... Hurricane deductibles are different than... In, uh, in an insurance policy, you'll have your AOP deductible, which stands for all other perils. And then you have your hurricane deductibles. Some policies have wind deductibles. So if the damage is caused by a named storm, when it hits land, it fluctuates over to the hurricane deductible. Usually it's 2%. Some agents bump it up to 5% to save money, but then you're looking at a 5% hurricane deductible on your dwelling amount. So your dwelling amount. So we'll do the math on that really quick. So say your dwelling amount is insured for $300,000 and you have a 2% insurance deductible. So if you need to use that, you would have to pay $6,000. Correct. Okay, so then if someone bumped that up to 5%, you would be talking about $15,000, exactly. which a lot of people don't have Exactly, on hand. and that's why a lot of times in storm situations, you see people with tarps for a year while they gather up that deductible money to replace that roof. A lot of companies are moving forward in allowing people to buy back a lower deductible. And we give clients that option whenever possible. I'm seeing a $1,000 deductible, $2,500 deductible, um, and a lot of people are taking advantage of and it. And that's for insure, or for a hurricane? For a hurricane. Okay, so that's yes. typical for the, the other perils. Yes, right. exactly. So all thousand, other perils, we, right. Okay. If the savings is substantial, we bump it up to 2,500. Um, but if it's just under $100, $100, you just stay at 1000 You don't... Okay. Yeah. So a typical house, say it was built in 1997, which a lot of our suburban houses were built mm -hmm. in the 90s, and 2,500 square feet with a pool and a screen. Off the top of your head, what would you expect that homeowner's insurance to be? What's going to drive that premium is how old is that roof? If the roof was replaced recently uh, and if it has all the 
the mitigations of clips, single wraps, uh, things like that. Uh, the secondary water resistance applied on it. Uh, you could you could see about fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars a year for that house. Okay, that's um, reasonable. Exactly. Just over. Exactly. Now, you know. if the roof is not replaced, you're looking twenty seven hundred, maybe twenty nine hundred, depending, because we we have very few companies that will entertain any homes with a roof um, older than. Between 15 to 20, they start having problems. After 20 years, we're very limited. Right, so that's a very good uh, point. And whenever I work with clients and they come down, we have a lot of discussions about roofs and the age of roofs. A lot of sellers don't want to replace the roof because there's nothing wrong with the roof. Exactly. But the age of the roof can be very restrictive mm -hmm. when it comes to finding and, and getting affordable insurance. Yes, yes. And a lot of times we will go to closing, we find them on as many options as possible. We go to closing and then once they replace the roof, we reshop the coverage. Okay. Even if it's midterm. Okay, so so that's a good possibility. If you run into a situation where the house is perfect and you like it and the seller won't replace the roof, but the price is right, and you buy the house, you can get insurance and then replace the roof yourself and then find different insurance exactly. with the deductions. Now you touched on wind mitigation a little bit during that, that answer. So I wanted to um, just go into that a little bit more because that's a um, something that we do here in Florida all the time. So it's normal for us, but for people moving from out of state, they don't really necessarily know what a wind mitigation okay. is. So explain that. When a roof is replaced, you get a special inspection. It's called the wind mitigation inspection. And on that inspection, it gives the date the permits were pulled. Very important that permits are pulled. And it states what attached that roof to the house. Uh, depending on what attached the roof, they get different credits. Um, there's like four different options. Did the client spend money on the secondary water resistance? Which is what? <clears throat> they apply, It's I've seen it rolled on, okay. and then I've seen it almost like a laminate that they put between, put over the roof to protect it from water penetrating that roof. Okay, so, so even on a shingle roof? Yes, on the shingle okay. roof. And that's, it's a nice credit. Okay. It's a nice credit. And we, we could guess on the credits, but I've seen anywhere, if it's, if no permits were pulled and it has toenails as the attachment, I've seen a $50 credit. Toenails? Yes, that's one of the <laughs> options. Now, if it has everything, I've seen up to a $1,500 credit. Okay, So that's significant for sure. So we could guess, but it's so difficult because we don't, until the inspector gets in the attic, takes the picture, and it's very specific. They have to measure and we have to document. Yes, I, as a realtor and whenever we're doing wind mitigation inspections during the inspection process, I, I would say that's one of the things that is interesting and frustrating too. I had an inspection done recently on a house that didn't actually end up closing, um, but they had a new roof put in, but the nails weren't the long enough nails. And so they, they weren't going to get any of the credits, which was to me was crazy um, that somebody hadn't caught that during the process. In Florida, we talked about kind of that mid-level age of home, so that 90s built home, and there's a lot of them. But in Florida, we also have a lot of new construction and we have a lot of older homes, especially in the areas that 
are very, very desirable for people. So the areas with a lot of walkability, so South Tampa, uh, St. Pete, Seminole Heights has a lot of older homes. And when I say older homes, I mean 1920s, 30s, 40s, built completely different than what we deal with with new construction. So let's start with new construction and then we'll move into the older homes. So with new construction. It's a beautiful thing, new construction. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful thing. It's like free insurance. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we love quoting them. The, all the companies love them. Um, you could get a quote as low as $500, $600 for new construction, right. depending on the type of construction they used, uh, what kind of attachments they used on the roof, things like that. So we love new construction. So you're getting all of the credits because yes. all of the cons the construction are done up to, no to current code. Correct. Um, most of the new builders are, cre are um, providing hurricane, yes. some sort of hurricane shutters um, or impact windows. Um, obviously, you have new roofs. So how long does that does that last? How long is a house considered like new? I start to see the premium start to creep up after 10 years. 10 years, wow, that's a long time. Yeah, when you think about it, the most of the risk goes back to the builder. True, because they have warranties. So mm -hmm. um, the majority of the risks goes back to the builders, but that's when I start to see it creep up. They start asking for different underwriting requirements, things like that, 10. They don't bug the clients too much, Mm -hmm. uh, but that's when I start to see a little shift. And 20 years, after 20 years, some companies want inspections, they want four points, they want to make sure everything is up to date, um, then the roof becomes an issue. Right. Um, because there's a lot, a lot of claims with leaky roofs. And then the clients want to put in the claim because the roof leaked and caused damage, but it's a 20-year-old roof. Right, so that is not covered by insurance companies. Um, they will check if there's a hailstorm. I mean, people we, they call they call themselves the storm chasers, right? And dealing with this a lot. Yeah. Yes, and they they knock on the doors and tell them you don't have to pay for your roof. Let let us help you, and we'll. But the companies, insurance companies, they have engineers that will take the shingles and determine, along with NOAA reports, was there truly a storm that went by. This property or not right and is that hail damage right and it, there has to be a percentage of the damage on the roof it just can't be two shingles that fell off right their goal for these storm chasers is for the clients to sign a assignment of benefits so then they're stuck because they're giving them all the power right so it's it's a problem a lot of times a roof is not covered because it's a 20 year old roof right okay so a roof isn't covered just because of its age no okay no you have to Think of insurance as something that happens sudden and accidental. What not basic for. home not owner maintenance. maintenance, and that actually is something that that people don't don't realize yes. a lot of times. So new construction we love in the insurance world. Now, how about those older homes, those really really cute bungalows that everybody mm -hmm. wants? Aren't they? They're perfect. adorable. They're adorable. It comes with a price tag, um, especially if it's an open foundation. An open foundation is considered higher risk because of the backdraft. Okay, so open foundation meaning a crawl space. A crawl space with no nothing around it. Okay. And then you see them in Seminole Heights and South Tampa. The house does have to breathe. Right. There's certain criterias. They have to have certain ventings. But if it's totally open, if there's a fire that starts, and I've spoken to, to firemen about it, it creates a backdraft and that allows the fire to get under the house and cause 
the fire right. to spread quicker. And those are wood frame houses yes. typically with wood siding and exactly. you know underneath it's all wood. So fire is is certainly a concern yes. for And for a lot those of those areas have trees with moss. It's just a fire's delight. Right. So uh, the, that's, you know, it's a higher risk uh, to insure these homes. So you're going to have a higher price tag with that insurance. Okay. Say it's a, a regular size bungalow, like a 1400 square foot bungalow in Seminole Heights. You can afford it because the price tag is great, but then how much are you going to be paying for insurance approximately? Let's say that if it, if it is an open foundation like that and the roof hasn't been replaced, I've seen as high as 2900 a year, a year, 3200 a year. And that's, you know, without claims history. Right. Because uh, that will, the insurance score does come into play. Right. Right now I have a client that I just rewrote her. She had four claims. She has a bungalow. On that one house? On the one house. She kept calling, not realizing that every time she called, they were putting in an elderly lady and her insurance is 4500 Wow, that does get up there. <laughs> so yes, but usually it'll, it'll run between nineteen and twenty-three hundred, depending on what updates have been made to that house. And the roof is a big, right. big. So electric updates, plumbing updates, roof yes. updates, yes. and a closed crawl space. Yes. So keep that in mind if you're shopping for older homes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, another thing that we've started to run into is uh, the plumbing polybutylene polybutylene pipes yes yes poly and pipes. that's something if it comes up in an inspection that's when you call me poly pipes are um, something that was actually in one of the suburbs that i work in a lot they did a lot of those in the early 90s mm -hmm. um so I, I can always see them when I come into a house, so it becomes an issue that I try to, to address even before negotiating anything. Um, but a lot of people don't recognize them mm -hmm. necessarily, so it is, a, it is an issue. That's a lot on homeowner's insurance, but we have a lot more to cover. So let's go to everyone's favorite subject of flood insurance. <laughs> you even knew what I was gonna say before I said it. I would say the questions that I get asked, this is probably the number one question that I get asked. Everyone assumes when you move to Florida that you're going to need flood insurance. It's not true necessarily. Um, and I think people are surprised at how often it's not needed. For instance, I live in South Tampa. I literally live in a peninsula surrounded by water, but I am not required to have flood insurance. So the other question I get is people always wanna know what would the flood insurance be on this house, this house, and this house, of which I cannot answer. And please explain to everybody why I can't answer that. Okay. <laughs> flood insurance is mandated, you know, it's, it's regulated by FEMA. And now we do have a lot of private markets coming into that pool that they want to write flood insurance, okay. which is welcome. But not all lenders will accept it. Okay. So that's something to keep in mind in the back of your memory bank with everything else. So real quick, just before you continue on so everyone understands the distinction, if you buy a house cash you don't have to get flood insurance because it's your yeah, house. It's your house. You're the lender the is the one that's requiring the flood insurance to protect their investment. Yes. You call me with a client. I bring up the, the property flood zone determination. Okay. All of Florida is considered a flood zone. Is it, it's, and it's divided between hazardous and preferred. Okay. When it's hazardous a preferred, preferred zone like this property, it's... A much less premium, and it's gates that you could purchase. The max is two hundred fifty thousand for a hundred thousand. It's five hundred and sixty dollars for the year. Yes, and it covers you for flood. 
rising water. Your homeowner's insurance does not cover you. Flood insurance covers what? Rising water. So from the ground up. up. Think Hurricane Katrina. Yes. So Hurricane Katrina, most of the damage that was done or a lot of the damage that was done was from the ground up, up. correct? Yes. So all of those people who had regular homeowner's insurance and didn't necessarily think that they were in a flood zone were all of a sudden in a flood zone and didn't have coverage because their insurance their regular insurance wouldn't cover nope. the damage. Very important to get flood insurance regardless of where you live. Yes, it, you know, even Hurricane Harvey. Mm-hmm. Yes, Harvey was of, another one. A lot mm-hmm. of people in Texas, they were not in a hazardous flood zone, so they didn't carry the, the coverage. Right. So if you are in a hazardous flood zone, then we need, depending on the age of the house, well, actually now with FEMA is changing all the flood maps throughout the country. It's not just us. Yes. Right now, Hillsborough County, we're in the appeal stage. It was supposed to be made permanent on in the summer, but now they've pushed it back a little bit to the fall. April 1st, some changes are coming down the pipeline. Yes, I saw that. As of today, and that's one thing that with insurance, change is constant. So right. We get the elevation certificate. The elevation certificate is like the foot, it's like the fingerprint of the house. Okay. Elevation certificate. And that tells us was when this house was built, did they add venting to let water flow through? How high above base flood level right. was this house built? All those little things and the venting, they have to be one square inch per square foot of the property. There's so many. It's just not like like agents will call me and say, I need a quote. And right. I you can't give them an accurate quote, quote without an elevation certificate. Right. Without information, there's just I right. could there's just too many scenarios to guess. So right, and so it's our challenge as well as agents to provide correct insurance information. If a seller doesn't have an elevation certificate and a recent elevation certificate, then that becomes something that we have to get before we can even get yeah. a proper flood insurance mm-hmm. quote. So flood insurance is definitely something that takes time to properly quote. Correct. And then the higher the house, the lower the premium. Right. So the higher the elevation. So now today with new construction, you see yes. everybody building everything up, up with the proper venting. Yes. And even the AC units and everything yes. are up. And they, FEMA is giving grants for people that want to elevate their houses. How do you do that? Oh, there's, could you <laughs> imagine the red tape? Well, <laughs> does it qualify? Um, there's a whole bunch of things. But one thing that FEMA is saying is that they're going to allow some grandfathering back into the picture, which is a good thing. Time will tell. Yes, I know. And flood insurance Time is constantly tell. changing. It's and I know we're waiting for, for those changes in the map. Another question I get is flood insurance for a primary homeowner and then for an investment or second home. Yes. Is there a cost difference? There is. A few years ago, FEMA in, uh, imposed a surcharge. So if it's a secondary home that someone has, they impose a surcharge $250 okay. per year. On the news, and I think what people hear and they get scared about is, you know, you hear these reports about someone's flood insurance went up to $10,000 a year. Why, why would that happen to somebody? If they had a flood policy, because when you have a flood policy, it goes up gradually Okay. every year. There, there are limits imposed as to how much it could go up. And then they let it cancel for whatever reason. 
and they have to start a new policy. Okay. It starts like if they never had it. Oh, okay. So that's when they run into trouble. And oh. we're going to see that. One thing that FEMA is saying that if you live in a preferred zone and you have a policy and your zone changes from an X to an A or an AE, they're going to allow your flood policy to go up gradually. Okay, so Not that's good. So from one shot. So, so and that's actually pretty important for South Tampa area because it is looking to change here in yes. some of the areas. Mm -hmm. I don't think I am, but we'll double check that. <laughs> I, I'll pull the report. They, it, there's a beautiful program. Uh, if you send me a, an email with an address, I could look it up. Most of the addresses are in there already. Okay. And they give you a beautiful report of what could what it could be. They're not firm yet, the preliminary. So you get a report showing you the current status of this flood zone and what it's going to be. And are they going to change the base flood in that area? So that's important for anybody moving here um, that wants to double check and make sure they won't be in a flood zone in the next year whenever mm -hmm. they actually put it all into uh, place. Just to, to wrap up flood insurance, at minimum, if you're in a preferred zone currently, flood insurance, if you choose to have it, which I choose to have it, I recommend it to everybody, is what a year through FEMA? I wanna say it's $560. It's gonna change April 1st. We, have, we get new rates. Great. <laughs> <laughs> but the maximum coverage you could get with them is 250,000 and right. then 100,000. But I do have private markets that will allow us to go above those. And then if you want an excess policy to break, take you to the value of your home, we go to the excess markets. So we'll talk about that for just a minute because I actually had that conversation last week with a client. So I don't think a lot of people realize that the flood insurance that you're buying is only $250,000. So if you happen to have a house that's worth a lot of money or you have a lot of belongings in that house, you very well could go over $250,000. What does a lender do and how do they feel about the fact that that might not cover what is owed on the house? Because it's the max that FEMA will allow, they have to accept Oh, they have to accept it. There's no other option. Okay. So the lender wants, most lenders will require you to have your flood with FEMA. Okay. And that's the max they, so. So that's risky for them. It is, but they, they just want to close. <laughs> they just want to close and it, and it gives them the coverage enough to close. So, right, but right. they will not require them to get excess flood. Get the excess clients, flood. Because the they're thinking this isn't enough. Right. They're the ones who inquire and they want. And we always try to quote an excess flood quote. Yeah, I mean, I would think for some of the older homes that are on the water around here or uh, in St. Pete that are, have a very high value, you know, say Snell Isle or, or whatever, mm -hmm. those are right on the water and they might have been built a long time ago, yeah. so you would want to protect that for sure. So before we move on to car insurance, Maria had one more tip that we wanted to make sure that we got in here regarding new construction. I suggest highly that they still have the home inspected. Right. I know it's new construction, um, but a lot of times things don't get done. They don't, they're not discovered. So just because it's new construction, don't forfeit the inspection. Right. Get your inspections done. Yes, and I preach that in all my new home construction videos, so it's nice to be backed up here by an insurance professional. So another question I get, which is completely out of my realm of knowledge, other than being a, 
a consumer of car insurance is car insurance questions. And I think a lot of people think of Florida as a very high car insurance premium state, and it is. So Maria, explain to us a little bit about car insurance and why it's so expensive here in Florida. The number one reason is fraud. We have a lot of fraud and we have a very high uninsured motorist state. Uh, people come in and they just drive. They don't, they can't afford the insurance. They drive anybody's car. They don't have insurance. And then there's a lot of fraud okay. um, to get money. So, so that's the real that's answer. That's the real answer. <laughs> Dade County is number one in Hillsborough County. The last time I looked into this uh, was number two. So number two, mm -hmm. the one time it's not really good to be at the it's top of not. the list. We we compete between Orlando and us. Okay, so, so Orlando's up there too. See, we have a lot of transplants, and and two in Dade County. The way um, they explained it to me was they have you have a lot of people coming into the country that have never driven before. Right, and they so, don't. They don't get. Do they get a license? They don't even get a license. A lot of people don't even have licenses. Right, and no insurance. So when you go to obtain your car insurance, one of the questions is uninsured motorist. And I, we preach it, we, it's a necessity. So it's not required to have it? No. Okay, so what's required to have for Florida 1020. cars? Which means what? Uh, 10,000 per person, 20,000 per accident. That's not enough. No, that, that doesn't seem enough. We don't so write that's it the bare minimum. Yeah, we don't write it in my office. Uh, some people could maybe, I don't know. I don't even know where people get that. I don't know. So that's We don't the write bare it. Minimum. When somebody comes to us that has had this coverage before, their surcharge, it's almost like not having insurance because you just had the bare minimum. Okay. Um, what a person should have is the uninsured motorists. You should have your your limits. You shouldn't keep them at the bare minimum. If you have, if you conduct business that you take clients in your car, you have to endorse that policy because the adjuster's going to ask. Yes, I have that. <laughs> Much to my dismay, I had to get that too. So what would be a typical coverage for, you know, someone with, you know, a, a medium price car? You know, uh, fifty thousand one hundred. Fifty thousand one hundred. Or you could even do twenty five thousand, fifty thousand. What would you recommend? I would do the fifty thousand, one hundred thousand. Only the person. Everybody, like I tell my clients, only you know what you're protecting. Right. And unfortunately, we've become a country where you know the American dream becomes has become. Let me see who I could sue. Right. You see the commercials all the time on TV uh, for the attorneys looking. They're ambulance chasers. Right. I'm not saying that if somebody is truly hurt and truly needs that insurance, that's why we pay insurance, but it's become, it's terrible. Right. And another thing is carry the uninsured motorist because if, if you get hit by somebody that doesn't have insurance, your insurance could help you through these, you know, the process. Well, yeah, I, I don't understand so, why anyone wouldn't have that other than surprised. cost. Yeah. Right, right. It's, yeah, obviously and, insurance costs. And uh, if your children go away to college, you need to call the agent and say, this vehicle is garage in another state. A lot of times the insurance will be less um, because the car is not there. Or if the child is not near the car and going to school, um, there's credits for that. Uh, there's credits for good student. Mm -hmm. There's credits for driver's ed. Okay. Uh, and then once we hit 75, then we're going to start paying more. 75 years old, yes. start paying more. Okay, so let's talk about some tips for 
you know, low insurance, obviously a good driving history. Does it matter what kind of car you drive or anything like that? Yes, obviously, because if they have to replace that vehicle. Okay. So the cost of the car comes into play. How many vehicles you have in the house, obviously, and the age of the drivers. Right. Uh, all come into play. So teenage drivers equals very expensive car insurance. It does. <laughs> it does. So, but they have to keep, you know, their grades up and right. sign up for that driver's ed in school because the the credit that they get from that is is substantial. So okay. uh, make sure that certificate gets to the insurance agent. So, so what would be a, a normal, I guess, yearly cost for insurance for just the average person, decent driving history, 30-something years old? With no, no, right, no tickets or accidents and no endorsements, just a rare, I would say about 1200 a year. 1200 a year. Okay, so about $100 a month. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then we go up and down depending on your driving history, your, yes. your, um, yes. If you're a speed demon and you hit those <laughs> red light cameras and don't deal with that and, right. uh, it, it will go up. It will yes, go I learned that the hard way. No, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about just two other insurance issues for people. So umbrella insurance and renter's insurance. Do you think people, some people are required to have renter's insurance depending on where you're renting. Um, what's the benefit of that? And then we'll talk about umbrella coverage as well. Let's start with the renter's insurance. Okay. Let's say that you're an investor and you're buying a home for somebody to rent, you should require them to have renter's insurance. Why? That puts a layer of protection between you and anything that tenant's gonna do in the house that you own. In the lease, there's a waiver that says, you know, I'm waiving the right to have this. And that's fine. That's if the, the owner is making an educated decision not to have that renter. If they have a pet, um, there is renter's insurance that will provide animal liability for that dog. Isn't it a protection, I mean, for both sides? So as a renter, wouldn't you want insurance anyway to yes. protect your things? Exactly, because the owner will not be responsible for your personal belongings. And right. the renter's insurance will provide loss of use. Okay. So let's say that there's a fire, you're displaced. That renter's insurance will provide you the money for the cost to go find another place, security deposit, or, you know, to, you were displaced. Right. And renter's insurance, approximately oh, how much is um, it? For 20, I just quoted one this morning for 20,000 with a hundred thousand liability. Uh, it was, I want to say it was $127 a year. A year? Well, that seems silly not to get that. $127 yeah. to protect your stuff and yourself. Exactly. Come on, people. Exactly. No, exactly. It's, so, yeah. And that's why I encourage my clients, when they're going to rent their house, it's a nominal expense for that person. It's just, it's just good business all around. It is. It is. So umbrella insurance, again, okay. maybe good business? Yes. Especially, again, for the same reasons. Now, umbrella, they, the reason they call it umbrella, you think of an umbrella, it covers you for liability under your home and your auto. Okay. So an umbrella policy is going to, depending on all your toys, I call them toys. If you have jet skis, if you have boats, if you have 
depending on how many cars, how many properties. So it could fluctuate. Um, you could get an umbrella for anywhere from 1 million to 5 million, um, depending, again, what is it you're protecting? But for like a million dollar umbrella with two cars, uh, a boat, a house, uh, I wanna say it's like 700 maybe. A year. A year, it's not, uh, and again, it takes you, your coverage from the liability you're holding on your auto and your home up to a million. Right. But again, we could, we could go up to five million, and then if you need more, we have other markets that we could go more. So those are for people that really want to protect their yes, assets. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, some people they go, they title their properties under LLCs or trusts, or but if somebody doesn't want to do all of that, that's the route they go. They get an umbrella policy to cover themselves for everything up to again, the amount they figure, I need this much. So I hope that was helpful for everybody. Um, I know that you might have even more questions after all of that. Maria is available to answer questions via her email or to give you some new quotes if you're looking for some new insurance. Maria does recommend that you have your insurance, the whole package looked at once a year to make sure that you're paying the best rates that you possibly can. And also please remember if you make major changes to your property to contact your insurance person right away. You've been listening to the Melanie Loves Tampa Bay podcast experience. Thank you for your support. Consider subscribing if you want to learn about real estate, homeownership, or living in the Tampa Bay area. You can also follow me on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Links are in my show notes. Or visit my website, melanielovestampabay.com. See you in the next episode. With love, Melanie.